All right, so last week, oh, I guess I'll start with our tech update. So since we're doing this show now through internet for the time being, see, we had a slightly weird week last week where I was in a closet. So I sounded weird because I was in a closet. And, uh, and I did a little noise reduction stuff on your side, so you just sounded kind of swimmy, like you're swimming through outer space a little bit. But again, I think that's one nice thing is, uh, you know, we don't have the hugest listenership, but I feel like people are used to our weird sound problems at this point. So I think people will stick with us. I think it's all right. <laughs> but we're trying some different stuff to see how it goes this week. And this week, because we watched Police Squad last week, it turns out that Police Squad is extremely based on this show from 1957, this Lee Marvin show called M Squad. Like so much so that they they just stole the whole plot, basically, from what I understand, and just added jokes. So I thought that this week we would just watch the M Squad that none of us had heard of before. And I've got some details here I'll go over about the show. But just the most basic one is I looked all over the place for what does M Squad mean? And I could not find a single stitch of information about why it's called M Squad. Modern Squad? I know Mod Squad later. Maybe it'll say in the episode. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, maybe. Mod Squad was because they were so hip. Well, I guess even them, yeah. What was the Mod Squad? Was it like the mod movement? Oh, they were modern, just modern and hip and cool and... Right. Well, I think it's safe to say that the crime procedural with Lee Marvin in it from 1957 is not because he was hip. <laughs> I have no idea. There's not a ton of information about this show. If you search it, it comes up as like one of the uh, one of the best shows about Chicago that you haven't seen is what the article was called, like just kind of insinuating that everybody forgot this show. So we're going to watch an episode from season two and just hopefully maybe they'll bring it up. I couldn't find like the very first episode where maybe they would explain. There has to be a reason, (laughs) but I have no idea. Maybe it's uh, if they all deal if they all deal with murder. Maybe it's Murder Squad. Yeah, maybe they couldn't say that on TV back then. <laughs> you know, you just got to call it M Squad. Hmm. And is it one of Lee? Mar- I'm wondering, is it Lee Marvin's um, like introduction to the film world? Is that did he start there and then move into movies? Well, let me tell you, actually, I guess because I have very little info about this, so I'll just rattle it off right here. M Squad is an American crime drama television series, ran from 57 to 1960 on NBC, three seasons with 117 episodes. It's set in Chicago, Illinois, and the show starred Marvin as Detective Lieutenant Frank Ballinger, a member of M Squad, a special unit of the Chicago police assisting other units in battling organized crime, corruption, and violent crime citywide. And although Marvin had been appearing in feature films since 1951, it was this series that made him a star, and he later went on to an even bigger film career afterward. So, even though this show seems a little bit forgotten, it's weird. It's like usually people think of uh, television as a bit of a demotion. Like, you know, you want to go to movies to be a big-time star. But he went back down to TV. This show made him kind of a household name, and then he went back to movies. So this was his fulcrum point of his career. Well, that's interesting. That's, uh, yeah, because you think of him, I always think of Lee Marvin as a movie star in movies. Although I think I do remember seeing him as a B actor in, in, a, in some early westerns. Yeah, I was thinking uh, it's funny that I just know the name Lee Marvin without, without thinking about it. Or just like, oh, Lee Marvin. 
So this caused me to think about it a little bit. I was like, now why in heck's name do I know Lee Marvin? <laughs> you know, why? Because uh, I can't think of anything I've ever seen him in, but I absolutely know Lee Marvin. And uh, you're not going to be shocked to learn why I know Lee Marvin. No, yes, of course. <laughs> there was a bit of a clue where... Uh, yeah. Yeah, where I had you download before we started recording. I was like, okay, here's what we're going to watch this week. So there's a, a couple of M-Squad videos and mysteriously a Simpsons clip. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take a quick break and watch that Simpsons clip because uh, I'll just give you the setup. It's uh, Homer went to rent a movie and him and Bart want a violent Western and Lisa and Marge would prefer not. So he rents this Lee Marvin Western called Paint Your Wagon, which is actually a real movie that is a Western musical. But I looked up a clip from it, and it's, like, very serious and just like, you know, uh, I've been living life hard all these years, you know, that type of... It's like a musical, but very, like, serious and stuff. So the Simpsons version of Paint Your Wagon is not like that. But, uh, yeah, if you want to go open that file on your computer sure, and just watch the, this is why I know Lee Marvin, but like me and everybody in the neighborhood to us, like we're like, Oh yeah, Lee Marvin, <laughs> that guy's awesome. But the only reference point we have is this Simpsons clip. Here comes Lee Marvin. Thank God. He's always drunk and violent. Uh, what the hell is going on in my town? We're just painting this wagon. You got a problem with that? As a matter of fact, I do. You missed a spot. Well, grab a brush and join in. Gonna paint your wagon, gonna paint it fine. Gonna use oil-based paint, cause the wood is pine. Under rows of that Lee Marvin could do such marvelous splits. He's dreaming. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, to me, the uh, the best part of that whole thing is, again, I, I, I didn't really know who Lee Marvin was, but you can really just tell from context clues. You know, he's an old-timey Western guy, gruff and gravelly and stuff. So when Lisa goes, he's dreamy. <laughs> <It's> like, like, <laughs> I love that, too, because, again, I mean, it's come up many times, but how The Simpsons is like a kaleidoscope. Like, I have, uh, I have a lot more knowledge of just pop culture from the generation that came before me than I should have because of The Simpsons. And uh, even that one, where I knew Clint Eastwood, obviously. I didn't really know Lee Marvin, but now I'm going to catch up on my Lee Marvin. That third guy, he's obviously somebody famous also, but that's like... Oh, that's Lee Van Cleef. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, that's like, that's the waiting in the wings now. It's like, I'm sure eventually I'll watch something with him in it, and it'll be the exact same thing. I'll be like, you know, say, I know that guy from Paint Your Wagon. Lee Van Cleef is in a lot of stuff, and his claim to fame probably was, um, I think I saw him around before, but I remember him from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Very, very famous actor, and one of those character-type actors that whenever you see him, you know who he is. Yeah, that is actually a movie that has been on my list where to go through like the sort of history of uh, of Westerns, I did my like John Ford stuff, but his movies like they're, there's a lot to like about them, but they are really long and really slow. So I took a, I took a few years off from Westerns before I got to the Clint Eastwood era. So yeah, I haven't really seen those movies yet, but I'm sure I will at some point. 
Well, those are what are known as the spaghetti westerns. They were done in Italy. There's three of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The uh, there's th- I don't remember all their names, but there's three of them. And the most famous one is the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I think the thing that my generation knows the most from those, we kind of vaguely know about them, but it's the Sergio Leone music. That stuff is still super famous. Yeah. Anyway, that was excellent. One thing that's also just funny about The Simpsons is I didn't know until yesterday, till I was looking this up, that Paint Your Wagon is a real movie. You know, I just assumed it was just Simpsons... Well, I mean, I don't know, that's what kind of was genius about old school Simpsons is if you get the references, then, you know, people who know the movie Paint Your Wagon, to them it would be funny because, you know, it's such a serious, dour film. It is a musical, but it's very serious and it's not, it's not about, well, grab a brush, partner. (laughs) You know, it's nothing like that. But even as a kid when I saw that, and I, I only, the only context I had was I knew Clint Eastwood. So I didn't know Lee Van Cleef, I didn't know Lee Marvin, I didn't know Paint Your Wagon was a real movie, and it's still really funny, you know? Like, that's what was so good about that show. But yeah, I'm shocked to learn, why was it called Paint Your Wagon? <laughs> you know? but, and I assume that's the same thing the Simpsons writers probably thought, is like, not a very cool name for, uh, you know, a very serious Western. So uh, why don't we do our version, <laughs> where it's literally... You know, because like the the guys in our neighborhood, not to turn this into a Simpsons podcast, but when I was growing up, like we would almost talk in Simpsons, you know, like just talk with code words from the Simpsons that we all knew. So, I mean, I can't even think of the number of times I've said some variation of gonna use oil-based paint because the wood is pride, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Isn't it amazing as you got older to realize that most of those references that the Simpsons dealt with were based on other things that happened in the past. People, movies, TV shows, famous people, not famous people. Um, it, it's incredible. The re- When I watch those shows, I can't believe the references. They, they just keep coming at you, one right after the other. And a little bit of research, you find out that they really are real. They really are based on something that already happened. Yeah, and it really is like that's like the the secret sauce to it is uh, it, it makes more sense in hindsight that these things are not just weird non sequiturs and that didn't just come out of nowhere, but just that they were able to uh, to make these references work on both levels. That's where it was again. We'll get off the Simpsons after this, but it was such a bummer at the time that I mean it happens over and over. After this, it was Beavis and Butthead, and then it was Jackass and whatever. But it's always that show, like, oh, you're not supposed to watch that. This is bad for kids. But with The Simpsons in particular, if parents had actually watched The Simpsons instead of just being like, oh no, Bart Simpson said hell and damn, and he bitch. <laughs> you know, if they had actually watched it, they would have fucking loved that show. But you know, it's not how the outraged moral majority functions. Okay, now off with the Simpsons. Let's move on. Yeah, so uh, so paint paint your wagon. So M Squad. So the deal here is that we watched the first episode last week of of Police Squad, and I saw written down that it was so closely based on season two, episode one of M Squad that they literally took dialogue and actual scenes 
from M Squad, and then they just had Leslie Nielsen act like a dickhead <laughs> over top of it. Man, I went and rewatched some of that stuff too in that first episode. I think the best thing about that that we didn't bring up last week, but do you remember that part where, again, it's probably just a line from M Squad where the lady's like, oh, you don't know what it's like to be married to a man for 14 years. And Leslie Nielsen goes off on his whole own weird soliloquy where he's like, no, that's true. Did live with a man for two years. (laughs) (laughs) And gets into all the trials and tribulations of living with this guy. And that was weird enough. All these strange, you know, like potentially homosexual undertones. But then it got even weirder. He's like, yeah, he moved on, got a wife, didn't care for her, had a son. I lived with him, too, but wasn't the same. You can never go back. <laughs> it's like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, what a good show. So, I mean, it's going to be a significantly different experience this week because this is going to be the serious version. This is the version of that without the jokes. So, so we'll see how this goes. But I also wanted to mention, so most of the time when we watch these shows and I say, like, hey, if you want to you know, listen along at home or whatever, like here's the episode. So in this case, it is season two, episode one. It's called More Deadly. And I would just leave it up to people to like, hey, go find it on your own. You know, old TV shows, they're around, but you got to dig it up. But to go like a little bit behind the scenes of like how uh, I find stuff for this show, it's interesting because you can gauge how well remembered a show is by how easy it is to find sometimes. Like, you know, I think one of our most popular episodes is the Gilligan's Island pilot, and it wasn't very hard to find. But also sometimes people are like, hey, I wish you would upload the actual thing so I could see it. But I can't do that because Gilligan's Island is still famous and is still they're still trying to sell it to people. If you try to upload that to YouTube, you'll immediately get a copyright strike and your channel will get in trouble because you're not supposed to just upload TV shows to YouTube. So I don't, I just, I'm like, sorry, you're on your own. However, M-Squad was so hard to find that, like, you can just tell this is forgotten. Like, just nobody cares about M-Squad. No one is, minds what is happening with this show at all. Where the way I got it is there's this old program called Soul Seek that back in the day with, like, Napster in the early 2000s, it was this thing so you could steal music. Steal, you know, like file sharing, trading with each other, but it was piracy. You were just stealing music. Nowadays, there's no need for that because Spotify has every song ever. They just upload songs to YouTube. You don't have to steal music anymore, but these programs still exist. And that's one of my tricks for finding obscure stuff is I realized at some point, SoulSeek's still around. People still use it. And if they have videos on their computer with their music, you can also share those. So if I just search for some weird thing, in this case, M-Squad, maybe someone will have it. And in this case, one person had this episode, and I was the 8,000th file in the queue. Like, I had to leave it on all night because this guy was sharing 8,000 other things <laughs> before I could get my copy of M-Squad. I was like, am I ever going to get this? But I left it on all night, and I, it went through, and I did download it. And then when I got it, it was terrible quality. The whole file was like 100 megs. The, the visuals were terrible. So what I did is I boosted the sound up to make it louder. I fixed the contrast so the video doesn't look as bad. And I uploaded it to YouTube because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get in trouble for this. Nobody cares about this show. And if I say like, hey, go uh, find a copy, 
you're not going to be able to find a copy. I barely found a copy. No one out there is going to be able to watch this if I didn't take things into my own hands. So if you want to watch this episode, it's not on this YouTube channel, but I have another YouTube channel called Keith's Drawer. It's my junk drawer where I just upload random stuff. So if you search M Squad S2E1 for Season 2, Episode 1, More Deadly, just any of that stuff, it'll come up. And it's already got it's already got some views, and people started commenting on it. <laughs> just like now, I've just I've given M Squad back to the internet. So in this one and only case, if you want to watch M Squad, I did upload it because man, this felt like I was traveling to another dimension to get this thing. It was so almost gone. <laughs> Isn't that great when you can find something like that? And then instead of just saying, oh, well, I can't be bothered, we'll just let that go into the netherwood. Um, yeah, you uploaded it. So now it's out there. So let's see if it's any good. Yeah, and apparently, I mean, they did put it out on DVD in 2008. And I think even more recently, a set came out in 2014. So, I mean, it's sort of available. You could probably find those on eBay or something. But yeah, digitally speaking, and I don't know where this copy I had came from because it looked so bad. But yeah, I, I spruced it up a little. It doesn't look so bad. But I'm glad I could find this one episode because obviously with the Naked Gun connection, this is the one. We got to watch this episode. I would have watched another one if I had to. But Absolutely. Because the only other one I could find that was on YouTube, let me see. It is season two, episode 37, which I'm sure is a fine episode in its own right. But yeah, I wanted uh, I wanted more deadly. So, yeah, let's throw this thing on and uh, see how it relates to Police Squad. All right, here we go. All right, I just can't cover up for you anymore. I'm in this thing way too deep already. Oh, not as deep as I am. Oh, honey, please. My bookie's getting anxious. He wants his money. Laura Kane had killed two men to hide a $1,500 theft. To hide murder, she had tried to kill me. And for all her efforts, she ended up in the death house at Stateville Prison. But at least I cleared the names of two dead men. And Ralph Halper's little girl would grow up in my town knowing that her father had always been a good man. Well, I thought it was quite good. Um, it had quite a bit of extra stuff in it that the police squad one didn't. Um, like the shooting up, uh, shooting Lee Marvin at the end and him taking her out to dinner, the policewoman going to the apartment so that later she could root around and find the gun. And it had that kind of slick um, ending that was totally unexpected, like quite a little twist there that the audience would never be able to figure that out. Yeah, I guess uh, police squad had to kind of pick what it was going to spend its time on. And instead it had like the, uh, the endless wigs. Remember he took, uh, remember I mentioned those like, man, that lady's bouffant's really big. And then it's because they took like eight different wigs off of her. That's true. Yes, true. Yeah. Going to the apartment stuff. Instead they had the 24 hour wicker store, which there was nothing really, that was, that was their idea. That wasn't really from M squad, but, uh, and they did things that that made the killer at the end so obvious. Like when they she went down to the police station to identify the fella in this show, she's just, I mean, she's dressed up, but she's normally dressed in the police squad one. Oh, she shows up in some fur coat and obviously had big money to spend. 
Whereas in this one, that wasn't given away at all. They had no proof that she had actually stolen that money. Whereas in police squad, it was so obvious that she'd taken it because she was spending money like hand over fist. Yeah, it's it's kind of unfair, I guess, really, because obviously police squad wouldn't exist without this. But it is hard to go back, you know, because everything kept reminding me of police squad. Me too. I kept waiting for the next line, the next little joke to come out. It's almost like you would have had to watch M Squad first to get the serious nature of it and then watch Police Squad because it was very hard to look at M Squad and get any kind of seriousness out of it because you were always waiting for the next, uh, the shoe to drop with some joke. Yeah, it's very much like, it's the same example I used last week, but it really is true, is how I watched Spaceballs a bunch when I was a kid, and then I saw Star Wars as an adult. And obviously, all the real ideas came from Star Wars, all the cool ships, Darth Vader, lightsabers. But to me, I was like, this is lame. (laughs) This is, where's the jokes? (laughs) You know, which is like, and this is similar. It's like M-Squad actually came up with all this stuff, but it feels kind of empty and is a little thin. It's like weird because it's, yeah, like uh, the ones that really stood out to me were, uh, I mean, the whole plot, I guess, was the same. Like the opening scene was exactly the same pretty much, but it's such a weird plot. This lady is just gunning people down and just thinking she's going to get away with it. Like maybe that's partially what inspired the police squad guys is like do you remember how how wild some of those plots were like that was a bit ridiculous so why not make it extra ridiculous and uh yeah like even just that part where they're talking to the lady is like what i brought up earlier of like you don't know what it's like to live with a man for 14 years it's like i can't take that seriously anymore (laughs) you know that that has been ruined by lizzie nielsen but it was cute it was a good show yeah and it's funny too to see you know, my again, my knowledge of Lee Marvin is not only older Lee Marvin with uh, the big beard and the big mustache, but also a cartoon of him. But it's really interesting to see this guy. And it's like, oh, yeah, you take that cartoon, you give him a shave, you make him 10 years younger. That's Lee Marvin. All right. <laughs> That's the guy. So you have another one, don't you? Uh, I do. I do have another one. Would you? Do you want to watch another M Squad? Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I. I think it'd be interesting to compare one that you could watch without always waiting for a joke to come out of it. All right. So yeah, we'll watch another. This is the the other episode that was on YouTube. It's uh, season two, episode thirty-seven, Decoy and White. So yeah, this could be good to get uh, a sense of M Squad without it being uh, corrupted. <laughs> By police squad. But before we watch that, one last thing to get the police squad out of, uh, out of our system is somebody on YouTube did a side-by-side comparison. So if anybody wants to watch this, it's called M-Squad and Police Squad Side-by-Side Comparison. And the YouTube channel is Tommy Westfall's Snow Globe 164. <laughs> but yeah, if you just type M-Squad, Police Squad, side-by-side, it'll come up. So let's watch this first because it, he just basically took all the scenes from each show side by side so you can see exactly how identical they are. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. So we'll watch that and then we'll watch the real, uh, the real M-Squad episode after. 
I just can't cover up for you anymore. anymore. I'm in this thing way too deep already. As deep as I am. Oh, honey, please. My bookie's getting anxious. Oh, he's got money. Tell him you haven't got it. What can he do? Tell him you haven't got it. What can he do? He covered his own mother when it comes to money. He beat up his own mother when it comes to money. Look, Jimmy, you've got to go along with me or I'm in serious trouble. I'm sorry. See, I think that probably was a good uh, a good idea just to give that show a little room to breathe on its own without uh, <laughs> without all the jokes. It was not a bad show, but it certainly wrapped up fast. Yeah, and that one it did. I mean, it was obviously a different plot, but it did. Uh, it felt similar. I mean, you can kind of feel the vibe of what the show was. It does seem like every week it was probably relatively similar because that was still just kind of. Uh, in some kind of a businessy setting, some kind of crime happens. I was uh, across town and uh, <laughs> went there, and you know the, that was the kind of the formula. Yeah, but it was different than the first show. The first show had that twist that you would not have expected. This one just kind of you, you knew who the crooks were, and it had a climatic climactic ending. Um, but then. They had the fight, and then, oh, well, that's all over. And then they finished it off with a narrative to give the conclusion rather than give you action on it. That was uh, That's a little unusual. I did notice, too, that this is one thing that is, uh, I guess, just a thing of the era that doesn't really happen anymore, is that this is season two, episode 37. You know, like we have, I mean, British shows do like six episodes a year. Nowadays, TV shows do, and ever since I've I've been around on the earth, you know, usually twenty some episodes, thirty seven episodes. That's a a lot of episodes. Like that's nearing soap opera levels of like let's just pump these out. So yeah, it probably is one of those things that even though it's clearly an okay show, but uh, but I'm sure it's not like each episode is some finely crafted gem like a BBC show or something. They're clearly just kind of like let's let's get a bunch of M squads on TV. Well, yeah, because you figure, I don't know how many shows they would have produced in that second season, but 37 shows would be, there's only 52 weeks in the year. Like, there's very few weeks left to to do a, like a almost, like that's three quarters of a year that they've been producing. Yeah, let me do a quick check because I believe, uh, so yeah, there were 38 episodes, then 40, then 39. So each season had almost 40 so yeah, that is a whack of shows. Wow. You can also see, too, um, you know, kind of what probably made this show stick in the Zuckers and Abraham's mind a little, you know, because obviously it was decades later that they made Police Squad. But I bet when they did remember this from when they were kids, like, it does seem a bit like a good thing to take some starch out of that stuffed shirt, <laughs> you know, like it is. Because what, what made me think of it is the part in this episode where... Lee Marvin's character was like this criminal that we're checking out. He's a, he was in a karate class, and I learned some karate when I was in the the military. And then once he gets there and starts interrogating the guy, he didn't just learn a little karate. He knows the whole history of karate. He knows how to identify karate practitioners from just the the way their hands look. And he's like, "Oh, you must be a little new to karate, you know." <laughs> and it reminded me of Canon. How Canon is you know, a super genius who knows seven languages and all this stuff. And it is this, this archetype that is just like, this guy is the best. This guy knows everything. He's a genius. You're never going to beat this guy. So it is like a perfect target to have Leslie Nielsen be the guy now who still 
talks the same way, delivers lines the same way, but is just a moron. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it does make sense that this, it's a good target. It's a pretty good show, but it's also an especially good target for parody. But the formula would have been, yeah, you had to have the formula that was in run through the vein of all these shows is you, you have to have somebody who's a little special. He just can't be the average guy off the street because he's got to have a little insight, more knowledge, because he's the guy who's going to solve the crime. You just can't have Joe Q public on the street being able to do that. You could have some, somebody a little special. And most of those shows that you watched from the that were produced in the 1950s and in the 1960s even, um, yeah, there, there was something special, whether it was, it was a doctor show or a Western show or a crime show, police show. The, the main character is somebody who's not just your average run-of-the-mill guy. He's, he's got some special ability that allows him to solve the crime. I think you got a difference when you had Columbo come along who he also has that special innate ability to solve crime, but he comes across as um, very laid back, um, almost idiotic, uh, as opposed these guys are not idiotic. They are serious contenders for this position. Yeah, it's one of those things I think nowadays even you might be able to get away with a show that is about like a guy who is just solving these crimes by just just barely, you know, like really struggling, <laughs> really having a hard time and, and managing to figure it out. Like he is just an average guy who's really in over his head. But it is one of those things like as you go through history, the history of media, before you can go against type like that, you need to establish the type. And yeah, obviously in 1957, 1958, they were not at all ready for the reverse archetype yet. They were plenty happy with this archetype. Because I remember the example I always think of, even when I was a teenager, it was uh, my friend Mark. He was the first guy I ever heard express the opinion that he didn't like Batman because Batman just solves every crime. And he didn't like James Bond because James Bond just like never fails. And I remember we argued a little at first, like me and his brother and stuff were just like, yeah, but that's why they're so cool. <laughs> but as I think back to that years later, I'm like, man, he was right. Because <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that that's boring. But back then it wasn't boring yet. It was still, that's just how it was done. And it's not even like a 50s and 60s thing because this is, this is the same special traits that these guys have that were the Sherlock Holmes of of 70 or 80 years before that uh the uh Hercule Poirot's of all of those people have this special ability to see through the chaff and get to the root of the crime and then solve the crime the average joe on the street well, we, sorry we just don't have that ability or we're not supposed to <laughs> I guess the middle ground is now we have a little bit more of like the idea that the detective is a genius detective because he's got like autism and he can super focus ADHD, you know, like he has problems, but the problems still cause him to be a genius. So yeah, maybe if I was a, a producer, that's the next step. My show would just be this guy, you know, there's a you know how there's a bottom of every class? There's always the guy who was the worst surgeon who still graduated. <laughs> like you could do a show about the guy who is, he's the worst detective, but he's very earnest and he really tries hard, but he really sucks. <laughs> but still have him 
you know, achieve it, but it's like really tough for him. A lot too of the development of of uh, crime solvers is not just one individual. Like a lot of uh, a lot of what you see in media, TV, movies, whatever, it's a it's a group effort. Somebody may solve the crime, but they rely on somebody else's knowledge or something they said or something they did, and that leads them forward in coming to the solution. Whereas in these earlier type shows, like the ones we just watched, it's one guy. And that one guy is the one who solves the problem. But now it's more of a of a group effort. You interact with other people and you learn from them and you rely on them and you send them to go investigate things and that comes then you come to the resolve. Uh, whereas in this one, it's it's one guy and he goes out and he can bash, a, well, in this case here, one guy's a karate expert and the other guy has got a gun. Well, he's one guy against two guys, maybe against three or four guys, one guy, whereas now you get a group effort. So that's been a, an evolution of this kind of movie, of this kind of show. Yeah, it's been a while since we watched it, so I don't remember a lot of specifics about it, but it does make me think of Dragnet. Just the the very term Dragnet is just the the police force at large is scouring the whole city for information. So I don't know if the show itself was really about that, but at least they were bringing those kind of terms in and yeah, acknowledging that there's it takes a village. <laughs> it takes the whole police force, not just this one amazing genius guy. So I was thinking uh, now we're at the slight crossroads of what to watch next week because when we laid these out, we just were thinking of shows off the top of our head. So I think the next one I had lined up was The Avengers. But, you know, we didn't intend to watch M-Squad either. Like when you watch stuff, it just makes you think about other stuff. So even though M-Squad has literally nothing to do with the Mod Squad... Should we toss in an episode of the Mod Squad just because... Sure. Let's see what it was happening 10 years later. I think Mod Squad was in the late 60s, may have been the early 70s. But yeah, approximately 10 years after M-Squad. Sure, let's check it out and see if they really are cool characters. <laughs>